welcome to this edition to Voices of Experience. My name is Paul Casey, and uh, it's been a little time since I've done a live show. And Eric, I know you've missed me a lot. Absolutely. Always great to see you here in the studio. Yes, and it's always great to come in on this gorgeous fall day. Now, I attended a breakfast meeting this week at the Columbia Tower Club, and uh, the guest uh, on the Columbia Tower Club list that day was former Governor and U.S. Senator Dan Evans, and he appeared at an event called Soldier of Giant Series, and uh, his wife, Nancy, also attended. Incredible to imagine this. Former Governor Dan Evans is 94 years old, and he was one of the youngest governors ever to serve in the state, but that's for another time and story. And his wife was there, too, and it was just such a, such a fabulous event. And um, I had the opportunity to ask him a question during the uh, presentation And with the current political climate and partisan media, I asked him if he thought it would be more difficult to govern today than, let's say, the time than when he was governor. And we'll play the answer to that question a little later. Now, a collection of political scientists and historians rated Governor Evans as one of the top 10 governors of all time in the 20th century. And I'm not talking about the state of Washington. I'm talking about the entire country the top 10 governors in 100 years in this country. Pretty good accolade. So he really knew how to governor, or excuse me, he knew how to governor and govern at the same time. And that fact came by courtesy of Puget Sound Business Journal publisher Mike Flynn, and he's a current publisher of his own newsletter called Flynn's Heart. Dan Evans served again from governor from 1965 to 1990, excuse me, 77, and U.S. Senator from 1983 to 89. Also joining us in just a few moments, H. Stewart Elway, founder of the Elway Poll. He recently completed a poll on voter attitudes, and since the election is just about a week away, I thought it would be very timely to discuss what he found out. And um, don't do what I did a couple years ago, and that is the mail-in ballot makes it really easy and sometimes too easy to forget it's in your drawer. And uh, it just sits there, and then like two days after the election, you went, oh, there it was, and it's not going to count. So do that sooner than later, and uh, I got mine in the mail already. So uh, let's see. How do voters feel about the job the city council is doing, the job Mayor Durkin is doing? Amazon has put a lot of money into this campaign, and Stu can clarify this for us all but I think it's probably the most amount of money that any one entity has ever contributed to a local campaign. And uh, some observers think that it may be backfiring on them a bit. So we'll look forward to seeing uh, what Stu has to say about that. So uh, the other thing I want to ask Stu is what is the number one issue that Seattle voters are most concerned about? I think you may know the answer to that question, but we'll keep you in suspense until then. And we talked to Stu. And also, uh, what do newcomers think about, he asked this question too, people who recently have moved here, what do they think about the most important issues are as opposed to maybe the people like me and many others who've lived here for a very long time? Is there a difference in attitude on that? Now, we, again, talked about homelessness on this show. We've talked about gridlock. We've talked about the cost of living and all these negative things that seem to be appearing in our region over the last five years. It's like a fog over the city. You kind of get that feeling. 
But I want to ask a question today as to what do you think Seattle is doing well? I mean, what are we doing right in this city? And I'm just going to throw something out right now that I'm very positive on that has occurred over the last year, and that is the opening of the tunnel. Um, I live in West Seattle. I used the viaduct religiously, getting around Seattle for many, many years. I was really nervous about it closing down. All this information that was forthcoming about the gridlock, what happened in downtown, I find it easier to get downtown. I also find it, uh, the tunnel, a really nice link. And it's also doing what the planners hoped. It is integrating downtown with the waterfront. It's a much more pleasant place to be. And you can see how beautiful that is going to be in the near future. It's already getting there, and it's so nice to not have those cars going down the viaduct on the waterfront. Now, the big test, though, will be on November 9th when the fares start getting charged going out of the tunnel. But I have a feeling it's going to uh, be very positively received even at that time as well. So, again, you're listening to Voices of Experience. My name is Paul Casey. And we'll be back with uh, my interview with Stu Elway in just a moment. You're listening to Voices of Experience with Paul Casey. Visit VoicesOfExperience.com and take a five-minute self-employment quiz. That's VoicesOfExperience.com. The higher you score on the quiz, the higher your prospects for success. One more time, visit VoicesOfExperience.com. All one word. Welcome back to Voices of Experience. Again, my name is Paul Casey, and we have Stu Elway on the line. Stu, are you there? I am. Hi, Paul. How are you today? I'm good. Good. Uh, you just completed another poll, the new Crosscut Elway poll. And in that, uh, could you tell me right off the bat, were there any surprises? Well, uh, probably not. Um, as you alluded uh, uh, in your last segment there, you, when you think about what the major issue is in uh, Seattle, um, you know, people will tell you it's homelessness. And that's, uh, that's what we found in our poll. This was a, a poll of 430 likely voters, uh, likely voters in uh, next Tuesday's election. So these are people who we define likely voters as people who voted in um, either the primary in August or the last city election or both, so one or both of those. So it's, it's not um, a poll of the whole population so much as the people who are going to decide the election next Tuesday. Well, two-thirds of the people I read in your poll say they want a sweeping change of the city council. Yeah, they did. Um, we asked if you're, you're, of course, you know, there are four open seats, so there's going to be change no matter what happens uh, in the makeup of the council. But we asked people if they were inclined to vote for someone who would continue the current direction of the council or wants to change the direction of the council. And as you pointed out, 67% said they want to change. Uh, prior to that, we'd asked uh, uh, how, how would you rate the job the city council is doing, and it was 69% negative. So those, those numbers line up. Interesting. And you know what I find uh, 
even more compelling maybe is that they may want this sweeping change. And then there's this feeling that there's the business candidates versus the socialist or very left candidates. What appears to be are candidates who are kind of left of center and left. There's not right. that really business candidate. So the sweeping change it's kind of a myth, I think, ultimately. It's not gonna, yeah, it's not going to be that sweeping. And, um, yeah, the, the, the people who are business candidates here uh, would not be considered business candidates in Dallas uh, or, or Cleveland or other cities. But, they, you know, here, it's, as you point out, it's, it's sort of a little bit left or a long way left. The, other, the thing that was interesting also in our poll was we went through a whole series of of issues that the city's been dealing with, uh, police reforms, bike lanes, parks, uh, preserving the trees, transportation, homelessness, neighborhood density, all those things that have been on the agenda for the year. And by and large, uh, most people are approved of the direction the council is going on most of those issues, and yet two-thirds want to change the the makeup of the, the direction of the council. So it was almost like people wanted to get new people, uh, voters wanted to get new people on the council to keep doing the same things they have been doing. I just think a lot of people are very confused today. Maybe I'm speaking for myself. There's a great deal of frustration, but we don't know what really to do because we do want to be sympathetic to a lot of things that are going on with homelessness. On the other hand, you know, we do want to be able to walk down a sidewalk. Well, the, yeah, the biggest yes, the biggest issue in, in our poll was homelessness by a by a wide margin of uh, what they thought was the most important issue, and then the next one uh, related to that was neighborhood density, which is certainly a housing uh, issue also. And uh, homelessness is an issue uh, almost everywhere. I've done surveys in uh, half a dozen cities around the state and homelessness is the top issue, and all the cities are grappling with what to do about it. And, and so uh, uh, there's not a clear consensus of how to deal with it, which makes it uh, you know, even more of a political issue. Sure. I just find that I can't have a conversation with anybody over lunch or dinner or any social type of gathering where homelessness does not come up at some point. Right. Like if you're talking to someone more than 10 minutes about anything in this city, it will come up yes. at some point. Yeah, it, it just shows. And, and the deep frustration that people have. Um, yes. What about the housing density issue? That seemed to me to be a bigger issue when uh, under the Mayor Murray's administration than it is now. Did they modify what Murray wanted to do or why aren't people more? Talk, well, uh, talk about that issue more, are up, they? It's coming up now because they're talking about changing the zoning and allowing more, uh, you know, mother-in-law units and accessory dwelling units uh, uh, and, and, and just allowing more density in neighborhoods. And the council's been talking about that for the last few months, and that uh, percolates up into a political issue. Interestingly, it's, it's different uh, we we looked in our poll at um, uh, sort of three waves of of residents here. People we called newcomers, which have, uh, who've been here less than ten years, and then 
settlers, we'll call them, which was 10 to 20 years, and then old-timers, which is 20, 20 or more years. And on the question of density, a majority of the newcomers thought that the council was going in the right direction on density, but an even larger majority of old-timers said they're going in the wrong direction. So there's a, there's a generational split uh, on the question of, of neighborhood density. They agree that homelessness is the, main, is the number one problem, but they disagree on uh, increasing density as a way to solve it. Well, it's kind of like not in my backyard, a literally and figuratively. Yep, yep. Interesting. Anything else on the poll? I, I find that fascinating about the newcomers and the settlers that people have different views on. Right. Well, the, for the most part, uh, the newcomers and the old-timers were on the same side of the issues. Um, the, the only time there was a majority of old-timers on the opposite side from a majority of newcomers was the density, as we just talked about, and bike lanes. Uh, 71% of the newcomers say we're, we're doing the right thing on bike lanes, but 56% of the old-timers say we're, we're going the wrong direction on bike lanes. And, and uh, every other issue, um, they were more or less lined up. The majorities were stronger among newcomers. The old-timers are, are more likely to be divided on the issue. Mm. Um, but those two were the ones where there were majorities on on opposite sides. And they, and they agreed on the, uh, the, the old-timers had a much more negative uh, view of the... Um, city government administration. Uh, for example, uh, the city council, among the new newcomers, the, the city council's rating was a, a net minus 15. That is, take the, the, the positive ratings minus the negative ratings, it was negative, it was minus 15. Among the settlers, it was up to minus 36. Among the old timers, minus 53 on the city council, which is a pretty staggering number. That's a substantial number. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Pretty yeah. amazing number right there. Um, very interesting. I want to read to you something I read in the Sunday newspaper, Danny Westneat's uh, article. Yeah. And it says something along the lines of this. It was a reader that wrote this. I find myself confronted with this dilemma. Trotsky or Bezos? Yeah. Whose town do I want to live in? The Soviet of Seattle or a Seattle underneath a vast Amazon sphere. My answer, or his answer, neither. Right. That's where most Seattleites are like, correct? Or uh, that's uh, where they're I at. Think, or yeah, what? I, th- I think so. I think so. You know, we did look at a few issues uh, uh, coming up, and, you know, the head tax was a big controversy a year ago, and they passed it, and then the council repealed it uh, uh, almost immediately. And uh, but we asked a question in this poll about whether we, we, we referenced the head tax, which didn't uh, end up going through, and asked people if they favored some kind of large tax or some kind of tax on large businesses to help fund homelessness. And it was very popular, uh, <coughs> excuse me, including 62% of these, of these newcomers and 48%, a plurality, of the old timers, 
So the, the head tax may have gone away, but the sentiment uh, for some kind of tax like that um, has not. And, and there's, there's certainly a feeling that, uh, particularly among the people who've been here a while, uh, uh, the, the feeling that the city's changing underneath them. We'd done a survey earlier in the year for Crosscut, and and um, the the people who've been there the longest were most likely to say they didn't feel like they belonged in Seattle anymore. Mm, yeah. uh, so I guess that's understandable. Yeah, people don't know, like change. But. Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah, not too surprising. Uh, you know, old codgers like you and me. Uh, I bring back the pilots. Yeah, right. That's right. <laughs> Sixth Stadium, that's really that. <laughs> right. Anyhow. Well, hey, Stu, we're running out of time. I just wanted to ask you before we go real quickly, how about Mayor Durkin? How is she faring? Well, in, in the poll, she was pretty pretty even. Uh, just uh, um, uh, overall was 48% positive, 47% negative. There again, um, uh, she had her, her uh, lowest ratings from the old-timers, which was minus 5. And among the, the newcomers and the settlers, she was plus two and plus ten. So she's she's kind of in the middle. You and told me something uh, a couple days ago, and that is that somebody said that uh, the fact that I don't have to think about her or something oh, is yeah, a good that thing. Was, uh, yeah, or something one like of the, that. <laughs> my favorite quote, actually, from the from uh, uh, Coleman's piece in the in Crosscut that uh, explains all this poll. He interviewed one of the poll respondents, and the quote was, the best thing, the thing I like most about Jenny Durkin is I don't have to think about her. Right. I can understand that. I really do. Yeah. Hey, Stu, thank you very much, as always, for uh, spending time with us today, and we'll uh, regroup after the election and do a follow-up conversation. All right. Talk to you All right. Have a great night. Bye. Okay. That's Stu Elway of the Crosscut Elway Poll. And again, I appreciate him coming on. Again, remember to vote. Get your ballot in the mail before next Tuesday. So we have Dan Evans coming up in just a few moments. You're listening to Voices of Experience. My name is Paul Casey. You're listening to Voices of Experience with Paul Casey. Visit VoicesOfExperience.com and take a five-minute self-employment quiz. That's VoicesOfExperience.com. The higher you score on the quiz, the higher your prospects for success. One more time, visit VoicesOfExperience.com. All one word. All right, back uh, with Voices of Experience. It's about 4.51 p.m. Gosh, the time really goes fast when you're doing this live. Actually, it's easier doing this live than it is doing a pre-recording and sending it in. You know, I've got to say, it just flies back. So anyhow, um, we have Dan Evans coming up. And as I mentioned earlier, he was a guest of the Columbia Tower Club. And um, he was asked a whole sort assortment of questions. I got one in there, and I'd like to just play it right now. Ask some questions of you. Um, I'm, you're quick. I know. I just uh, thought of something. Sure. Hi, Governor. Hey. Nice Hi. to see you. Just yeah. identify yourself. Oh, Paul Casey. And I have a question a about the uh, media. And you were governor. There was like three networks, daily newspapers. Now we've got the cable, social media. How much do you think that has done to change the dialogue or the divisiveness in the country? Well, I think it's had a huge impact. And uh, one of our, uh, I think one of the problems we face today is that 
those who are communicating are more, I shouldn't say smarter, but they know what they're doing better than those of us who are listening or watching. We've given everybody in the country a megaphone. You know, we used to have dependable news people who could easily separate news and news reporting from the editorial page and from commentary. Now the distinction has almost disappeared and you can't tell very easily when you listen or watch somebody whether they're making a comment or purportedly uh, giving you the news. It's, and then of course when I say everybody's got a megaphone, all it takes is um, somebody getting online and, uh, and getting some followers and saying whatever they want. There is nowhere near the kind of professionalism, but um, we've got to sort out for ourselves the, the difference between uh, professionals and professional uh, news broadcasting and all of the rest that's out there, which is a very high percentage. Do you think you could have governed effectively under this environment? You know, anybody who runs for political office has got confidence. Uh, <laughs> they wouldn't run very far if they didn't, but um, it's harder. When I was governor, the written press was dominant, and I remember vividly having news conference where in a long room, and a long table, and the Associated Press reporter always sat in one place and sort of ran the conference, and then by seniority, the written press would sit at the table, and we didn't even have television at the beginning, or at least they, they weren't mobile enough to come to Olympia and broadcast. And then they started to come, and the written press sat at the table, and they, in essence, required the uh, television press to stand by their cameras. And the whole idea was that you weren't supposed to ask a question, you're supposed to take down all of the marvelous stuff that's being asked and answered by the written press. And you know how long that lasted. <laughs> so, but when the broadcast happened to be sitting there, a certain gesture from her hand was held up as their photo was being taken. You may not remember this. <laughs> so before we close, and I thank you, Governor, uh, I'll need to share with you that uh, survey of political science professors and history professors around the country conducted before this century started uh, decided that Dan Evans was one of the ten best governors in the nation of that century. And thank you. Did you hear that as he faded out there? He said, uh, when you say the last century, that just proves I've lived too long. Well, that is not correct, Governor. Uh, you have not lived too long, many years hopefully ahead, but you're a quite amazing individual. And I'm so pleased I had the opportunity to spend some time with you in Olympia when you were governor and uh, watched how you worked. And uh, I think as far as I've said it before, and I'll say it again, I think you were the best governor that I've ever had in my lifetime here, and that's by far. And um, the other thing that uh, I can share is that I'm a Democrat, and back in that time, you were a Republican, and a lot of people were. I had no problem working with Republican administration then. And that just shows, I think, how things have deteriorated, I think, as far as the segue or the division we have in the country now and in the state. But you were the type of leader that could definitely bring both parties to the table. So um, 
Thanks. Thank you again, Governor. And also Mike Flynn making again that note about one of the best governors in the history of the country. So uh, anyhow, let's see where we're at right now. We got a few minutes to go. Are we about ready to close off? But I want to also go back to someone that um, called in to my uh, radio show about a week ago and uh, asking the question, as a lot of people have, the city has said that homelessness is getting better. All right. So I asked listeners if they perceived that, and let's see what this listener had to say and share with you now. Hi, Paul. You emailed me about the homeless problem in Seattle. I think it's getting worse. You know, in 2017, there were like 11,000 people that were homeless. And, you know, the city has spent over a billion dollars on this, and the councilwoman, Swant, is, you know, just wants to build tiny houses, which is not going to get us anywhere. She says it's because Amazon has come in and the rents have raised and they can't afford it. But the studies show that, you know, there's only 6% of the homeless say they couldn't afford the, the rent increases. So hopefully we'll get a new council and we'll make some progress. Thank you very much. That's all the time we have for this edition to Voices of Experience. My name is Paul Casey, your host and producer. And again, my thanks to Stu Elway and former governor and U.S. Senator Dan Evans and to the listener who called in and provided his input on homelessness. Again, for sharing their wisdom and experience with us today. Now, Voices of Experience, we're here just to talk to people who, just as the title says, have experience in what they do, whether it's public affairs, travel, fitness, education, and we certainly have a special emphasis on entrepreneurship. And again, uh, if you'd like to tune in again tomorrow to listen to the program, you can at 8 a.m. This will be repeated. The show does air at 4.30 p.m., as you know, uh, on Tuesdays. And again, repeated at 8 a.m. Wednesday mornings. Very little theory on this show. We just talked about, again, people who are experienced in their fields. Take the Voices of Experience quiz. It's 20 questions. The higher you score on the quiz, the higher your prospects for success. Go to VoicesOfExperience.com. Have a great rest of the week.